Good morning. How is everybody? Happy Father's Day. Welcome to Gap Hill Church. Let's go ahead and stand together. Have you come to bless the Lord today? Have you, I said, have you come to bless the Lord today? Amen. Lord, we lift you in this place. We magnify you. We glorify you, Lord. For we know we are dependent upon you. Let's bless him together. Let's sing. Blessed be your name in the land that is plentiful, where streams of abundance flow. Blessed be your name.
and magnify you, Lord. Hallelujah, Lord Jesus. Lord, we lift you up. We bless you, Lord. We glorify you, Lord. Have you come to bless the Lord? Let's give him honor. Give him praise, church. He is worthy. Hallelujah. And I give you glory for all you brought me through. And now I'm ready for whatever you want to do. I'm moving forward to follow after you and now I'm ready for whatever you want to do your presence is an open door and we want you Lord like never So come now, Lord, like never before. Hallelujah. That's your prayer. In every season, and your grace has been. Thank you, Lord, for your grace. And I'm believing that the best is yet to come. The cross before me my hope on things above and in you Jesus all the best is yet to come oh your presence is an open door and we want you Lord like never upon your touch, Lord, on your grace, your mercy. Hallelujah. Let's sing this to him. And I know breakthrough is coming by faith. I see a miracle and my God made me a promise and it won't stop
I pray, oh God. Lord, break through whatever's going on in our lives right now that's keeping us from getting through to you. Lord, we lift you for your presence is what we're depending upon. Whatever anybody is going through now, we give to you, oh God, knowing that you are our source. You're our help. You're our strength, oh Lord. Hallelujah. For your presence, oh God, is what we need. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Your presence is an open door. Satan, you say this. We want you, Lord, like never before. Your presence is an open door. So come now, Lord, like never before. Sing that again. Sing that chorus again. Your presence. Your presence, sing this, is an open door. We want you, Lord, like never before. Your presence is an open door. So come now, Lord, like never before. never before, Lord. We want you like never before. Let that be our heart's prayer, our heart's desire, oh God. We lift you. We magnify you. Oh Lord, we lift you. Hallelujah. We know breakthrough is coming. I know that breakthrough is coming. And by faith, I see a miracle. And my God made me a promise and it won't stop now. It won't stop A promise and it won't stop now, won't stop now. Oh, and I know the breakthrough is coming, and by faith I see a miracle. And my God made me a promise and it won't stop now, one more time. And I know the breakthrough is coming, by faith I see a miracle, and my God. A promise and it won't stop now. Hallelujah. Give them praise. Give them honor. Give them glory for the breakthrough now. We bless you. We praise you, Lord. Hallelujah. Amen. 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 You may be seated.
Happy Father's Day. Somebody should have said thank you at least, my Lord. It's good to see everybody. I was told that I was um, basically helping with Sunday school class this morning and the adults in the gym. Thank y'all uh, for accepting that. I was, uh, D told me he was getting to a good point and I was over here trying to get this mic right and, uh, and I said, well, glory. And they said they heard it good. So, hey man, you never know where the preacher's ears are. All right, he can hear things you don't know. Happy Father's Day. I've got some stuff here that I'm going to give away. Where's my drawer at? My little cup at? Thank you, Lisa. So I got two 25 Cracker Barrels. I got a $50 Longhorns, blah, 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 a lot of other places. A, a tool set there that somebody may need. This is also some, um, thank you. These are some um, fittings, 110 piece. I'm sorry. Was anybody missed today? Did your name not get put in? If you were in your father, all right, all right, go ahead and write them down while I keep giving my presentation. I'll extend it. <laughs> I got two $25 Amazon cards. I got a $50 Red Lobster card. I've got a $50 Lowe's card, and it says, honey, I do list. <laughs> so if there's something around the house that needs to get done, then I got, I got one for you here. All right. The awkward moment. Play music. Do something. Just play that course or something. And my Lord, I don't want people just looking at me play. <laughs> She'll get here in a minute. You can bring those names to me, Lisa. Oh, all the names are in there? You got them. Oh, I'm sorry. Thank you, Brad. I appreciate that. That was a good intro. Come here. Help me. Come here. Yeah. Good job, Brad. Thank you, Lisa. All right. And our first name is going to be Scott Stone. Just come grab whatever you want, Scott. You, you got first dibs there. Just grab whatever you want from down there. You are the first guy to pick. Obviously. All right. All right. I got Andrew Bagwell. I take it that's Junior. Just pick whatever you want there. As we go through this. We love our fathers today. Being a father is a, a great job to have, isn't it? Heavy responsibility, but nothing like it. Ernie Tao, where you at, Ernie? There you go. All right. Good job. <laughs> he said Jennifer Perdue. <laughs> All right. Where is he at? Doug Isbell. Where's Doug at? There you go, Doug. I didn't know if you were on the road again or <laughs> you got back. Good. Good for you. Ricky Joe Roper. Where you at, Ricky Joe? All right. Just grab whatever you want. How many I got left? One, two, three. All right, good. I got several here. All right, Darren Gray. Now, I know you men are talking about you already got some bits like that, but those are the best bits. I got some at my house. Them are nice right there. No pressure, Darren. <laughs> Ardo Shields. Where you at, Art? There you go, there you go Darren. I hope, hope they don't break on you. 
<laughs> Always use, use some new drill bits. And there we go. Now, if you don't mind, Art, where's, where's Jim Anderson at? All right, come on, Jim. You right here. I thought you were in the back. I was gonna... We got two more here. We got a $25 Amazon card, and then I got a 24-piece um, cobalt set. Wrenches, I guess is what you call that. Wrenches. All right. Bo Sexton, you win the last one there, sir. So it's an Amazon card for you. Well, guys, I want to say happy Father's Day to everybody. Even if you didn't um, win the drawing, let me tell you, you're a winner today. And, um, and I'm glad that you're here. And so can we give all of our fathers a hand clap today for being with us. God bless you all. From a, one father to another, we love you guys and appreciate everything you do on a daily basis to make sure that those precious children, whether they're babies or whether they're grown, you know as well as I do, fathering is still going on. And so today, um, show your father you love them in any way that you can. They won't be with you forever. You always remember that. So love them while you got them. God's good, isn't he? God bless you. Pastor Brian, I'm going to get you to come on. Let's stand up one more time together if we could. Thank you, Lord, for your presence. Lord, we lift you, we magnify you, we glorify you, oh God. When I think about the Lord, how he saved me, how he raised me, how he filled me with the Holy Ghost, how he healed me to the uttermost. When I think about the Lord, how he picked me up, turned me around, how he placed my feet on solid ground.
with the Holy Ghost, how He healed me to the uttermost. When I think about the Lord, how He picked me up, turned me around, how He placed my feet, placed my feet on solid ground. It makes me fall. Sing that again. Well, it makes me want to shout. Sing it with them. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, you're worthy. Lord, you're worthy. Well, of all the glory, honor, and all the praise, it makes me want to shout. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, you're worthy of all the glory. And all the honor and all the praise. One more time, it makes me want to shout. Hallelujah. Lord, I thank you, Jesus. Worthy of all of my glory. And all the praise. It makes me want to shout. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, you're worthy. Of all the glory and all the honor. Just the message. 
just the voices and the drumbeats. We want to shout, well, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, you're worthy of all my glory and all the honor and all the praise. Well, it makes me want to shout, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, you're worthy of all the glory and all the honor and all the praise. All of the praise, Lord, all of the praise. Give Jesus a hand clap of praise today. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. What a mighty God we serve. Aren't you ready today to worship God? I'm ready to worship Him in spirit and in truth. Hallelujah. Thank you, Holy Ghost. Thank you, Holy Ghost. Today, I have a word for you and I promise you that by the time we leave this building, I believe that God is going to speak to us. I do not have what I would say is a uh, Father's Day sermon in particularly but I do have a word that will bless you. It doesn't matter whether you're a father or if you aren't a father today. I believe that this word is going to speak to you. I do want you to understand. I need more house, I believe, and, and, and maybe less of that. Uh, I do want you to understand this today. That being a father is a heavy responsibility. How many of you know that? I mean, we, we enjoy the, the joys of being a father all right, we enjoy throwing the football and all these things, but, but when it comes to what really matters, being a father is about how you can spiritually, uh, in the fear and admonition of the Lord, how you can spiritually raise that son and that daughter to come up in the image of Jesus Christ. Ultimately, they're going to be following your image. So when you think of that, being a father is a heavy responsibility. I read this story, and I'll start it, and I thought it was pretty... Pretty funny myself. While a man was getting ready to go deer hunting, his wife started to complain that he would never ask her to go alone. Well, after arguing, he agreed to take her. The next morning, they drove out to the country. He placed his wife in a tree about 100 yards from his stand. Just as he reached his stand, he heard a loud bang coming from his wife's position. As he ran up to her, he saw that she was holding her gun on a man nearby and shouting, It's my dear, sir. Just get away from it. The stranger just nodded slowly and backed away. Okay, lady, so it's your deer, but just let me, let me get my saddle off it first. <laughs> yeah, I know, and I'm sorry, ladies. It's Father's Day. I get to do that today. If you have your Bibles in the book of Ephesians, chapter 6 and verse 12. Thank you. That's good. That's good. The Bible said, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Verse 13. Therefore, put on the full armor of God, so that when the evil day comes, you may be able to stand your ground, and after you have done everything to stand, if you go on to verse 14, it says, just stand. Verse 18, though, is what I want to go to here. And pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. If I had the title of this today, I'm going to call it Homes and Churches Under Attack. How many of you know that's happening today in the hour that we live in? 
It is not a coincidence with what is going on in the world. It is an attack on the home. It is an attack on the church. This is an assault from the enemy. This racism going on in our country right now, do you think this is by chance? This is an assault of the enemy. Not only on our homes, but it is on our churches. Many pastors that pastor multicultural churches, and they have many African Americans as well as Caucasians and a mixed congregation, Latinos and all different sorts of people. They're having now more than ever to try to bring those people together in a time when our country is so divided. Can I say to you that spirituality begins in the home and then it reaches the church, not the other way around. I want you to grab that before I go any further in this sermon. I want you to understand that spirituality... Listen, we have people... I've seen people that drop their kids off the church and expect the church to raise their kids. I've seen Christians that bring their kids to church and they're relying on the church to teach them about Adam and Eve in the garden. I want to say something to you flat-footed behind this pulpit. Spirituality begins first at your house... And then it comes to the house of the Lord. You should not expect your children to only learn when a pastor teaches them. Or when a children's pastor teaches them. Or a youth leader teaches them. You should be training them at home. The good old fashioned book we call the Bible. It falls on the shoulders especially of the father. To make sure that God is being brought up in that house with those children. Thomas Jefferson said it this way. He said the price of freedom is eternal vigilance. Which means always aware of possible dangers or difficulties. Always remaining alert. And today I want us to understand that we are engaged in a spiritual battle. We are in a spiritual war for our homes. There's some of you, if you only knew the dark forces that were knocking on your door trying to get inside right now, it would make make you shake in your boots the evil forces that are encamped around about your house. Now thank God that I I've got angels camped around my house that are that are fighting off the adversary and you can too, Daddy, if you're willing to go out there and pray and plead the blood of Jesus over your home. But if you could see the spiritual warfare that is going on above our head, even as I try to preach this sermon today, there are forces of hell that are trying to confuse me. They're trying to get my mind off of what I'm trying to say. They do not want me to speak the words that the Lord wants me to say. So even in my own spirit today, there's a warfare going on as the adversary tries to, to fight against me as I try to minister to a group of people in a church. We have no idea, ladies and gentlemen, if we could put on the glasses like they do in the show and it would change everything for us. We would see it in a different light. I went to a movie one time. I about threw up. I'm just going to be honest with you. I hated it. It was one of those movies where I had the 3D glasses. I, I went, did it with the kids one time. Anybody go to one of those with your kids? Oh, my gosh. I thought I would puke. I mean, I put them down and I said, well, what's the difference? You know, and I pull them off. When I pull them off, everything changes when you put on the 3D glasses. If God had a spiritual warfare pair of glasses that He could put on your head, Daddy, you would go home today, you would fall on your face and you would ask God to protect your children if you could just see the dark forces that are all around. See, what I'm telling you is as a church today, if we could really see what's going on right now, it would make us pray for our church like we've never prayed before because we do not fully understand the spiritual battle that is going on right this moment. 
So I've come to make us aware today that there's a struggle. It's not against flesh and blood. It is against spiritual powers of darkness in the air. Fighting means yielding to our flesh. This is what the devil wants us to do. James tells us in James 4, 7. He says, resist the devil and he will flee. In Peter 1 and, and uh, verse uh, 5, or verse 8 and 9 of chapter 5, you know it. He says, be self-controlled and alert. For your enemy, the devil, is walking around like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. He went on in verse 9 and said, resist him and stand firm in the faith. Now, our strategy is in one word today that I'm going to preach to you and that is the word stand. Not sit, but stand. The Bible said in Ephesians 6, stand in the day of evil. Or another version said, when things are at their worst, just stand. Because of the devil's schemes around you, you have to learn to stand. The, the call to steadfastness in the face of a ruthless foe is repeated throughout the New Testament for emphasis. You can read it in Matthew 24. He said, stand firm. In Hebrews 10, he said, just keep standing because your labor is not in vain in the Lord. See, you and I can win every battle in and through Jesus Christ. We are conquerors. As a matter of fact, the Bible has already declared to us we are more than conquerors through Him who loved us. Who is that? We are more than conquerors through Jesus Christ. So it doesn't matter what kind of battle we are facing. As long as Jesus is on your side, Daddy and Mama, let me tell you, your children are going to be alright. As long as Jesus is with you and you learn to simply stand. Number one, you got to stand in Defense. Now, now I remember to stand means to hold the line of defense even against the most determined and severe attack of the enemies. You know, how many of you have ever watched a war movie and, and, and when you watched it, the soldiers are just sitting on the ground? Anybody? Nah, they're standing. Because when you fight battles, you got to stand. This word is so important today. We have to stand for our homes. We have to stand up. See, when we stand up, see, there's one thing they teach us whenever your uh, Harry Burgess picks at me. I don't know if Harry's here today. I don't see him, but, but Harry picks at me sometime when he comes to my office because my chair has one of those, you know, little uh, spring action on it. I can go up high really quick like. So the taller you are when you sit in front of me, the higher I'm going to go. He says in the business world, it's a concept, as long as you're sitting higher. That's why when you look at the president's chair, watch it on, on the news sometimes. Watch it. Any chair he's in, you're going to notice it's a higher back than the other guys in the room. There's just something about that stand that, that shows authority. See, this is what he says. When the enemy comes, he says, you've got to stand up to him. If you sit down and you hide and you cower down, the enemy is going to realize that you have fear. He's going to smell it a mile away. But when you stand up, you got to make a stand. When he comes against your home, somebody, daddy, has got to stand up and say you're not coming any further. When he comes against a church, the pastor, leaders, it's time for us to take a stand and say you ain't coming past this line of defense. When, when I was growing up, we had a game that was called Red Rover, Red Rover. Send the biggest boy you got over. No. You called the littlest little dweeb of a fella you could find over there. 
Don't judge them by their size, because I've seen some little fellows bust right through the line of defense because they get a running start right through it. I used to be one of those guys. I was skinny, but I could run fast. Sometimes if that was a line of defense, I'd just jump right here and just jump into the line. Whatever you got to do, not the defense sound. That's the name of the game. You've got to get past the line of defense. And so I remember we playing that game right, 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 and we finally get somebody we thought, oh my gosh, this is going to be tough. And what did we do? We, we didn't jump back. We gripped each other's hands just as hard as we could until they turned wide on the ends. And I'd say, whatever you do, boys, just hold on. Don't let them break this line of defense. And I'm telling you, there's times in the church, I've seen it in the home, I've seen it in pulpits, to where the adversary attacks us, and instead of standing in the fence and holding our ground, we let go and run, and we let him break through the line of defense but I've come to tell somebody today that your home and your church is under attack it is time for us to learn to stand our ground and having done all to stand just stand hallelujah it means that when the battle is over we have not surrendered not one inch of territory to the devil see whenever we win a victory we may say oh man we did good the devil didn't get but a little bit of me listen I'm telling you today to stand in such a defense that the devil's going to run away with his tail tucked between his legs uh, realizing you didn't give up not one inch of your family you didn't give him one inch of your home that is the kind of defense that I'm preaching to us today that we have to stand if you give that devil an inch he'll take a mile you must learn to defend your family against spiritual forces of evil and against the influence of secularism anybody know what secularism is it's what the world is pushing on the church it is what the world tries to tell us is normal I had somebody the other day ever talking about well faith should be separated from from you know government Preachers, leave the government out of your pulpit. Leave politics out of your pulpit. I'm the wrong guy to tell that to. Because uh, I've preached it pretty straight before. I've had some Democrats so mad on my pews that I believe they could have shot me. Really, I believe they could have. I'm serious. You think I'm picking. I could see the rage in their eyes. I decided one day I'd just get up and let them know. If you vote for a Democrat that supports abortion... Homosexual, same-sex marriage. I just got a problem with understanding how spiritual you are. I got a question about where you really stand with God if you can vote on that. Somebody that will pat No, 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 it is true. If you support that, then you might as well quit coming to church and talking about, oh my gosh, we killing all these babies. If you help put the people in there that are doing it, you might as well keep your mouth shut. And I preached it like that. Yeah, it can get you in trouble sometime. And, and I had somebody come to me and they say, Oh, Pastor, you need to leave politics out the pulpit. I'll vote the way I want to vote. And I said, listen, I'm just telling you that according to the Word of God, those things are not biblical and I cannot be a Christian and vote to support that. If there is a Republican that gets on the ticket and they support abortion and they call themselves a progressive, guess what, buddy? I'll go with the independent. I'll leave that party behind so fast you won't be able to blink because I'm voting based on what Jesus says, not what they... God help me Jesus today. What I'm trying to tell you is when we talk about separating politics from the church, this is what I found. That a lot of Bible issues have become political issues and vice versa. Political issues have become Bible issues. 
So how in the world do you keep politics out of the pulpit without preaching the word? When, when, when they're telling me that they're going to slaughter babies and it becomes a political stunt, let me tell you something. I'm going to get up and I'm going to preach against it. You can call it political or whatever you want to. I call it preaching the Bible, the Word of God. So maybe it is time that we get politics. Jesus, help Pastor Jimmy today. You know, there was a few years ago that Tennessee, it was 2016, I don't know if you remember it, but Tennessee had the opportunity to make the Bible their state book. Does anybody remember that news? Nobody remember that? They had lawmakers, they had already made it up. They were going to make the Bible their state book. Just like we got a state bird, right? They were going to make a state book. So I got the other day, I looked on there, this was in 2016. The governor, guess what he did? They, uh, Tennesseans got so outraged because the governor vetoed the bill. Before they could even have the opportunity to vote on it. And I was reading the other day to get a little update, figure out where we were, and they were trying to get it to the House and the Senate. And they were going to vote on it. And whenever they went to vote on it, they ran out of time. It's like General Assembly. You get the important things that the pastors try to give out. And they have the agenda so thick you don't get to deal with real issues that pastors want to deal with. Y'all don't know what I'm talking about, do you? That's politics too. God help me, Jesus. I'll get more in trouble for that one than I will in, you know, Washington. It's true. It's true. I'm just going to go ahead and say it. God, let me move on. Stand also means to pursue the battle. Now, we talked about this the other week. The other week, not just defending your position. The verb has to do with the, with the achievements in war and athletic games. We talked about this. Being, being aggressive when you are offensive or defensive. Defensive just holds the line and stands there. The offense is trying to get to the other side of the field. So there's times that we have to, when we stand, it doesn't only mean just to hold our line. It means to pursue, to go forward in the battle. When God tells us to stand, He also tells us to move forward. So together we march like a mighty army, hand in hand, saying, this is my house, this is my church. You are not, there's times that we have to get on the offensive and attack the devil. Listen, if you don't like, if you don't stand for something, they said, you'll fall for anything. You remember that. God, according to Zechariah, is like a wall of fire around us. Listen, parents, we better be a wall of fire around our children because the home is worth fighting for listen to me ladies and gentlemen my kids uh right now they i think they go to a really good school i really is this political i'm sorry i got to get off politics i really like our school system i know some of y'all talking about well, i like going to pickens i don't know about pickens but i know about six mile i think we got a good little school right here i really do i like it i like it i, I think we got some good teachers but nonetheless, in our public school systems, regardless of where it is, there are times that they try to teach our kids all these different religions and different ways and, and all the Buddhism and, and all of these different things. Now, my children have got a wall of fire built around them, and they've been trained in church. They can tell you the Bible. They understand there's one God, one God alone. That's all that we worship. There's no Buddha. There's no Muhammad. None of these, these are all false gods. We do not worship them. They know that. There's many of you in this room. You've trained your kids good enough that they wouldn't worship a Buddha either. But there's kids in that school system that don't have a mama or a daddy that go to church. So secularism is infiltrating the home. 
And they are going home not knowing what they believe. And they're going home thinking maybe Buddha is a good way. And they're turning to Buddhism and they're turning to all these different religions of the world instead of Christianity. That is when secularism is filling the home and filling the church. But I'm telling somebody today, it is time for us parents more than ever to let our children know what the Bible says, what is in the black and white, the words of bread of Jesus. We need to let them know. You don't turn to this world's secularism. You don't go with them just because they say that's what you're supposed to do. You stand for what you believe in and don't let anybody change your mind. I don't care if they talk about evolution. You came from a monkey. You need to know that you were formed by the hand of God Almighty. And even in the womb, God already had a plan for you. Listen to me. I refuse to allow secularism to infiltrate my home. I pray a wall of fire around my home. We need to do that. Home's worth fighting for. The church, it's worth fighting for. Fight for what's important to you. Put the devil on notice. Let him know he can't have your marriage. He can't have your children. He, he can't have any ground. I don't care anything that's yours. He can't come that far. You're going to stand in the fence. Number two is I hurry. we got to stand in unity. This is so important. From the dawn of time, families have been under attack by the evil forces. When you look in Genesis... And you'll find when God put Adam and Eve in the garden that the devil came to them in the, in the form of a serpent. He tempted them to disobey God. This is the way that it went. He offered them enlightenment if they would just disobey God. If they would just see it their own way. Let, let me go to 2 Corinthians 11 verse 3 for you really quick here. Paul said, but I'm afraid that just as Eve was deceived by the serpent's cunning... Your minds may somehow be led astray from your sincere and pure devotion to Christ. This is Paul speaking to the church. Now what's interesting is this. That he separated them in his attack. In other words, Satan in the Garden of Eden, he brought division between the husband and the wife. Are you still with me? He comes to Eve first. He deceives Eve, and then Eve in turn went to Adam, and he too fell into the temptation. You can blame it on the wife if you want to. But you're the head of the house. Oh, don't everybody shout at once. You ruined my message. So while Adam could have blamed Eve for it, Adam is the guy that he put in the garden first. He gave Adam to her. Adam was responsible for her. Adam was to make sure she ate. Adam was to make sure that her needs were supplied. It wasn't her responsibility. It fell on the shoulders of that man. Oh God, I'm getting on some touchy issues today, aren't I? There's something that we use. It's called divide and conquer. It has always been Satan's strategy against the family. It has always been his strategy against the church. Look at Galatians 5.15. I want to show you how this works. He divides Adam and Eve and then he conquers. And ultimately here we are today ladies and gentlemen with the mess that we're in because of Adam and Eve. Divide and conquer. It's a war strategy. That's the way you do it. Alexander the Great used it. Napoleon used it. If you bite and devour each other. This is to the church. If you bite and devour each other watch out or you will be destroyed by each other. Now this is what my fear is. It's always been my fear for years and years. Is that the world is not going to destroy the church. The church is going to do that themselves. 
God Almighty. We've got, listen folks, we've got fighting going on. We've got people burnt. Listen, Rashard, that guy that was, that was uh, shot down by that officer, and that's going to go to to uh, court and it's going to be all messy as to who's right and who's wrong and all that stuff. One guy said he was peaceful. He punched the guy, in the, the officer in the face two times, shot him with a taser two times and now they're trying to get that officer to death penalty. So I'm not getting in that because that's really political and I don't feel like messing with it. But what I want you to understand is simply this. We are in a state of confusion. We are in a place of division in our country. There were people that made a line of defense. They stood in unity. This is what the report read. That they set a Wendy's on fire, the one that he was shot at, Richard was shot at. They stood in a a line of defense, in a line of unity, stood there together as a group. The um, firefighters tried to get in because they wanted to put out the fire. They would not move, Miss Phyllis, until they could look back and tell that it was a total loss. When they knew that the Wendy's could not be saved, they broke their line of defense and their line of unity. And it was already too late then. The firefighters could not even do their job properly. This is is what we're dealing with in the world. That is why I'm preaching it more and more and more to our churches. We try to blame it on the devil. We try to blame it on the world. But the scripture declares that we destroy each other. Sure, it's because we succumb to the serpent. It's because we succumb to the devil. But what this pastor is trying to tell you today is we will not be like the world. We refuse to tear one another down. We refuse to run each other down in the dirt and destroy each other's name we are going to stand in unity and the reason we're going to do that is because the devil doesn't want us to do that but as long as we do that these forces that are fighting against our churches it will not be able to get through those doors hallelujah because greater is he that's in these doors than him that is in this old world your homes will be attacked by the enemy It's important that the home stays in unity because if it gets divided, the home too will tear itself apart. So he warns us of this. But there's spiritual power in unity. Jesus taught about the the power of two people in Matthew 18, verse 18 through 20. He says if two two could just touch and agree on any one thing, just two or three people can touch or agree on any one thing, it shall be done. The power of unity. We are told to make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. In other words, you do whatever you can to keep the peace with people. There are some people that will never be satisfied. There are some people you're not going to be able to keep the unity with and keep the peace with. But God says as a Christian, it's your responsibility to do your best to keep the peace. That's right. Christians, we must learn this today, that it is time we rallied around Christ. And around him crucified. You see Paul he said in one scripture. He said for I determined not to know anything among you. Save Jesus Christ and him crucified. Wouldn't it be beautiful as, as homes and as churches. If, if we could just make Jesus our primary purpose. Wouldn't it be great if we could make Jesus our primary goal. What would the church look like if we could all get this burning desire. That all we're here for is to win people for the kingdom of God. What would the church look like if we would get over politics and and over our personal feelings and we could say listen we come because of Jesus it is all about Jesus what we do we do for the glory of Jesus. We just want to get people to Jesus. What would the church look like? There is power 
in that kind of unity. So he tells us for our church, for our home, he tells us we've got to stand in the fence. We've got to stand in unity. Hallelujah. We learn that we speak not I. That's a bad pronoun sometimes. I. But we speak using the pronoun we. When we speak of our family, we. When we speak of our church, we. I've had people that's gotten upset with things going on in churches and they come to me and talk about, well, y'all did this. Y'all, when did the church become y'all? What they had done, they had pulled themselves away from the crowd. They didn't want to be in unity with everybody else. I disagree with what y'all did. That's why it's so important as churches that we learn to center around Jesus Christ and we'd have a lot less trouble. If we could just get the same mission, the same purpose... That whatever we do and however we do it, it really doesn't matter. Just as long as Jesus is glorified and lifted up, we use the word we. Because you understand, listen, when my family is hurting, how many of you, you, you fathers know it, you, you, you've had children that have gotten sick before. You've had a wife that's gotten sick before. Now be honest, and, and, and if you say no to this, then don't, don't nod, don't do anything, just sit still. Because it would really be bad for you. When they get sick, there's something in your fatherly instincts that says, man, if I could, if I could take that, that vomit that they're having to deal with, that upset your stomach, the regurgitating, if I could just pull it out of them, and if I could take it myself, I'd do it for my kid. I'd do it for my wife. Because I love them so much. Now y'all see why if you're saying no, it's not going to be good for you, all right? Everybody be like, yeah, you ought to be saying, yeah, preacher, that's me too. When you see them in pain, if you're a true man of God, when you see them in pain, we're in pain. When they're hurting, we're all hurting. I would to God, Susan, that the church could get that same mentality. That when you're hurting, I'm hurting. When you're going through pain, I'm going through pain. Well, brother, they ain't been at the church but a couple of weeks. We don't even know if they're going to last. Get over it. If they've made themselves a part of the family of God, I don't care if they're a two-week-old baby or a 28-year veteran. We want to love that two-week, that young kid just like we love these olders that have been here their whole life because we are a family. God help Pastor Jimmy. All right. See, it... it it's not you have this problem. It becomes we have this problem. You let the devil attack a home that's unified. It's not going to go very far. You let the devil and every force of hell try to attack a church that has the same mission, the same goal, and the same purpose. He's not going to get very far. My God have mercy. It has been said that home is a place where love is shut in. And strife is shut out. Unity means we share the same faith. We share the same values. We stand together and fight with solidarity for our homes and our churches. Unity, common interest. And I'll close with this one. We stand in the fence. We stand in unity. Thirdly and lastly, verse 18 of Ephesians 6. We stand together in prayer. When General LeMay appeared before a congressional debriefing after World War II. He was asked what he needed for the military to protect us from communists. Aggression. This is what he said. It went down in history as a quote for your historians. 
General LeMay said, give me men who know God. Just give me men who know how to pray. How can we attack communism? Which means they're godless. China is a communist country. You go over there and grab a, a bullhorn and go try to preach on the street corner. You'll be dead before nightfall or either in jail. You just don't preach on the street corner like you can in America. You preach at the risk of your very life. That's why there's underground churches. They're a communist nation. They're godless. They, they have no supreme being. No supreme ruler. No guide for their morals. But he said if we're going to fight communism. What I'm going to need is a man that knows how to pray. And knows who God is. Let me ask you. How many of you still believe and know that prayer still works? It will work for your home. It will work for your personal life. It will work for this church. Paul said, and I'm going to show you this. He said, pray in the Spirit. That means listen to the inner voice of the Spirit. Sometimes the Spirit will even pray through you. He'll teach you how to pray. For He'll give you insight in the people's circumstance that they're dealing with and going through. So that you know how you ought to pray. He said, pray on all occasions. Meaning there is nothing too big for God. He's bigger than it. There is nothing too small for God. You can bring every knee. He is your Father and He cares for you in a fatherly fashion. You can bring everything to Him. Prayer is always in order. Just like the Father, when your children come to you, there is nothing too big or too small that they can ask for. It doesn't mean that you're going to say yes to a brand new Camaro. But the point is, they can ask. If they ask for the Camaro, they might get a 1983 Pontiac Grand Am like I used to drive. First car, we spoil them rotten, don't we? He says you got to learn to pray on all occasions. Bring everything to your Father. Pray with all kinds of prayer and requests. We are to pray prayers of petition for our needs. We're to intercede for others. We're to confess our sins. We're to give thanksgiving. This is a good way to pray. Give God praise and thanksgiving for the blessings that He's brought on your life, your church, your family. Give Him glory for that. He says be alert and always. Somebody say always. You never stop. You always keep Pray, but pastor, it seems like the boys are doing good right now. You better pray a little more. The church is doing pretty good right now. I think things are going okay. We better pray just a little more. Because if we get lax and stop praying, the enemy's going to come in like a flood. We've got to stand in prayer always. We stop praying, we run into trouble. To be alert means to stand guard. Not be caught off guard by temptation or snares. We need to be vigilant about our spiritual development. If not, we will suffer spiritual erosion instead of being spiritually strong. The word erosion simply means gradual destruction. It means wasting away. It's when we lose our core values. It's doing things that we normally wouldn't do. It's our eyes looking at things we normally wouldn't look at. It's our tongue saying things we normally wouldn't say. It's our hearts going in the wrong direction. We've got to stay alert we're under attack. Come on to the piano, Susan. I'm, I'm going to close with this story. I'm going to close with this. The Chinese built the Great Wall of China, as you all know. It was so high that no one was able to get over it. It was so thick that no one could tunnel through the wall. So they built this gigantic wall. It still exists today, the Great Wall of China. And then they sat down behind the wall. They felt that their future was secure. 
They had built a wall that they thought no enemy would be able to penetrate those walls. But in the first 100 years of the wall of China's existence, China was invaded not once. China was invaded three times after this great wall was built. How? The enemy didn't come over it because it was too high to get over. The enemy did not go through it because it was too deep and too wide for them to get through it. Every time that China was invaded, listen to this. It was an enemy that came through a gate that had been left open for them. Those who guarded the gate had been bribed with money. And while the people of China sat comfortably behind the walls with their security and all this safety they felt. They failed to teach their children about integrity and patriotism to their nation. And so their children that were guarding the gates, they sold out to the enemy. And the enemy invaded their land. What a parable of spiritual warfare. If we don't train our children that they are under attack, the enemy is going to slip right into their homes. Y'all ain't get Y'all ain't get it, it. What is happening to our generation? Why are we having so many problems what we're having in our world right now? It is because a family and a house, a father, failed to teach his child the values of this book, failed to value patriotism, respect for their nation, respect for their God, respect for their parents. And what we are cultivating and what we are raising is much like China. We sit in our comfortable little houses. We raise our children in what we think is a safe and comfortable environment. All the while, Daddy, we fail to teach them the values that really matter. And when they get older, guess what we have? A degradation of a generation. An erosion of a generation. And that is why, Ernie, your generation knows what it means to plant a garden. My generation even learned what planting gardens was. This generation. That's why we know how to carry on a conversation. We didn't even have computers when I was a kid. And when mama finally got one, my gosh. Bring it in on the 2500 Chevy, baby. Biggest thing in the world. I hold more technology on this phone in a simple device than y'all ever dreamed about having. I'm talking about in the world, in your, your childhood, right here in my hand. And that is why we've learned, sort of folks, we want communication. That's why I have people, I pastor and it's fine. That they say, pastor need to talk. You know, oh, that's fine. You can just text it to me. You can, you know, you can just call me if you'd like. It's not, they'll say it's nothing major. I say, we can just talk on the phone if you want. No, no, no. I need to bring it to you. Because that generation wanted that face-to-face -face confrontation. They enjoyed being able to see the person they were talking to. Nowadays, Brad, I'll shoot you a message, buddy. You see? You see how things have changed. And in the process of all these things, I'm afraid that we've lost some great values. 
And I not only see this in our homes, and now children don't even know how to talk to one another without a device. They don't even know how to communicate in person. All these things are wrecking our world. Do you understand? What I'm telling you, not only do I see it in our homes. How many of you, if mama told you, by the time I get home, you better have that living room swept and the dishes washed. She gets home, you chilled out on the couch with a bag of popcorn and a Coke popped open. What would your mama do to you? God Almighty. She would have got me up. She'd have whipped my belt off of me and spanked me with my belt. Right there on the sink. Nowadays, what are you doing? Well, I got tired. I just got tired. What? You're a little fella. You got lungs like a champion. What you talking about you tired? I used to pick cotton for a living all day long. What you talking about you tired in the air conditioner sweeping floors? It's the generation we've raised. The degradation. Degradation. And so the families that aren't teaching values and responsibility, that is why we've got buildings on fire right now in America because there was a father in jail and he wasn't helping raise his children. That's what the problem is. While his home was under attack, he was nowhere to be found. My God, help me preach today. Listen to me, ladies and gentlemen. Not only do I see it in the home, but the church has been under attack for years. It has happened so subtly. It has happened so quietly. The devil has done it so discreetly. And even us that were raised in a fire baptized Holy Ghost filled church. We haven't even noticed it. God help us. I know I'm preaching right today. It's not popular but I'm preaching it right. I know I am. And so another generation comes along. We raise up another church. It's further away from God than the last church was. And eventually, according to statistics, Bible-believing churches are going to close down all over America. Because most of the kids that we're raising, even in our best efforts, are leaving our churches. Many of them are ending up in the world. God, help us. Do you see the degradation? What I'm telling you is we are under attack. Now we can sit back and we can be comfortable and say, well, it's just the signs of the end time. I don't care if it's the signs of the end time. I want to make a difference. And I believe that God is still blessing churches and families that will seek His face and pray and turn from their sins. God will heal their land. So don't tell me it's the times that we're living in as wise 2020. Get over that. Get that thought out of your mind. What I'm telling you is divide and conquer. Satan is attacking us. He has not let off one minute. It is time for the deadish to arise. It is time for you mama to arise. It's time for you grandmas and grandpas to start praying like you used to pray for your grandbaby. My God help me preach. The devil's attacking us. We better stand. Because if we don't, we lose yet another generation and another generation. The church goes down, 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 down. All we talk about is the way it used to be. And that's all we live off of. God forgive us. In Jesus' name. Can we stand in this church? I've got to pray.
My Lord, I've went all over the place today, but I've poured, I poured my heart out today. I can promise you that. I didn't leave nothing in this pulpit today. I really didn't. I gave you everything that was in my heart. I'm under attack. My children are under attack. This church is under attack. God, if you could just open our eyes. I think of the man of God that was standing there on the mountain, Elijah. His servant was standing, or Elisha rather, his servant was standing beside him. And the man of God said, Lord, I can see all these fiery chariots around us. But the young man couldn't see it. To which the man of God said, God, would you open my servant's eyes and let him see and recognize what's going on around him in the spiritual world. Immediately, he looked and he saw chariots of fire that the Lord had encamped around about them. No wonder the man of God was so at peace. Father, maybe you should do that for us today. Not just to show us that you're near us. I'm not talking about that. Maybe you should open our eyes long enough to show us that we are under a spiritual attack. Just open up our eyes long enough that we would wake up to the reality. That if we're not careful, Satan is already in some of our homes. He is already in the minds of our children. In the mind of our spouses. In us daddies. In our mind. He's in our churches. He'll infiltrate leadership. Get into their mind, their hearts. He'll try to divide members among themselves. We won't even know what's happening. You've come in the doors while we're sitting back. Relax. Open up our eyes and let us see how much you've infiltrated our homes and our churches. Let us fall on our face again and repent of our sins. And ask you to heal our land and heal our churches, heal our families again. You want to revive us. You want to bring us back. So right now in the name of Jesus. I'm asking you to let a daddy stand up like he never has before. I'm asking you to let a daddy go home today. And when he's walking through the door. Plead the blood. He don't have to make a scene. He don't make, have to holler and let everybody hear him. But maybe this afternoon in the cool of the day. A daddy will just walk around his property. And gently under his voice say. Father would you protect my house. Maybe there's a good old member right here in this church of God. That would come during the week. And just walk around every premise of this property. And say God revive this church again. Rebuke every work of darkness. That is coming against us in the body of Christ. To keep us from moving forward. Wake us up God. Wake us up. Let us see what's going on around us. Sing, Brian. Sing, Brian. Sing, sing, sing. When I think about the Lord, how He saved me, how He raised me, how He filled me with the Holy Ghost, how He healed me to the uttermost. When I think about the Lord, how He picked me up and turned me around, how He placed my feet on solid ground. Oh, it makes me want to shout, hallelujah, thank you, Jesus, Lord, you're worthy of all the glory. I refuse to give the devil my house. I refuse to give the devil my church. I'm standing my ground. I'm putting my feet in like a stick in the mud. I'm going to protect. Protect my house. Protect my house. 
with the Holy Ghost, how He healed me to the uttermost. When I think about the Lord, how He picked me up and turned me around, how He placed my feet and saw the ground. Miss Susan, is gonna, they're going to come to your seat just like we always do and escort you out. Go ahead, Susan, you can start. For everybody else, just worship with us as we sing. And a happy Father's Day to everybody. Let's do it. Oh, well, it makes me want to shout. Well, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, you're worthy of all the glory and all the honor and all the praise. It makes me want to shout. Hallelujah, thank you Jesus, Lord you're worthy. 